So because tomorrow's the pastor's picnic and it's it's been on my mind, I thought I'd do something completely different that I've never done. I've never talked to you about this before in this sort of detail. But from time to time over the years, many of you have asked, what's it like to be a pastor? What Do you like your job? You know, what What is it like? And I just want to talk to you this morning. It's not necessarily a Bible topic. I've got some scriptures that I want to get to, but just what is it like to be a pastor? If you were a pastor, what would that be like? <laughs> what would that feel like? What could you expect? 1 Corinthians 4, 9, Paul tells what his ministry is like. He says, it seems to me that God has put us apostles, which that word just means sent ones or appointed ones, uh, appointed leaders. So there is an office called an apostle, but that's not necessarily what Paul's talking about right here. Any appointed church leader. He says that God has put us on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the gladiator arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, but we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. The word scum there is literally the dishwater scum that's floating at the top after you get done washing the dishes. That's what Paul calls church leaders. I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. So, would anybody like this job? <laughs> so, what's it like to be a pastor? It is not anything like I imagined. When I, Even when I was an elder and worked closely with Pastor Duane, I, I didn't picture it correctly. I love, 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 love preaching, teaching. I love Sunday mornings. I love Tuesday nights with the interns. That's a super highlight of my week. But it's actually very little of what I do. If you picture me sitting in my office studying and meditating in quiet, you're wrong. Uh, very little of that actually happens. I have an uncle who's a minister, and he says 90% of what he does is getting ready for Sunday morning. And I think, how do you accomplish that? How, just, I just have so much other stuff to do. And Anyway, he, there are guys that do that. Their, their office is a library, and, and that's what they do. But I just tell you, for those of you who have asked, for those of you who might wonder, uh, what is it like to be a pastor? What would it be like if you were a church leader, if you were a pastor? I can't speak for the youth pastors or worship leaders or associate pastors. I'll just tell you from my experience what it would feel like, what, what you will experience, and what it would be like. The first thing that you would notice if you were to become a pastor, if the Lord calls you to do that, the first change that will happen when you take that yoke on is that you will feel a very heavy weight of responsibility. That you are now responsible for defining God to people. Speaking for God, and if you do it right, you're speaking as Jesus. 1 Peter 4 says to speak as the oracles of God. And 1 Corinthians 4.1 says that church leaders are servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Ezekiel 33 will haunt you. Ezekiel 33.6 says, If the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, 
The people are not warned, and the, tr the sword comes and takes any person from among them. He is taken away in his own sin, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hands. When God puts somebody in a position or an office, it's a very serious requirement and a very heavy responsibility. And if you were to take that responsibility, God says, you guard your people. You watch and be a shepherd. If you see harm coming and they ignore you, it's their own fault. But if you see harm coming and you don't warn them, their blood will be required at your hand. So there's a really heavy weight of responsibility that these men and couples that will be at our house tomorrow night, that they have accepted of the Lord and taken on. Another thing you'll notice is that people know you that you don't know. Happens in, it'll happen to you in Walmart all the time. Hey, Pastor. Uh, sorry, I don't know you. I've never met. Oh, no, I attend your church. Oh, okay. Or, you know, you've seen them, you've seen their face, but there's just so many faces that I, I know I should recognize you. I know I've seen you at church, but we haven't met yet. So, But if you were Pastor, you'd be up here preaching, sharing your life and testimony and struggles, and people would feel like they very much know you in a way that you don't necessarily know them. It's very exposing. Your life is public, no privacy, or integrity is on display, or lack thereof is on display all the time. Everyone is watching. You'll be judged for your preaching, your decision-making, your weight, your hair, your clothing. You'll be told you aren't spiritual, you aren't qualified to be a pastor, you're wrong in your theology, the service is too long, the AC is too cold, the carpet is ugly, which in that case they'd be right. And your wife should do more. You'll have a tweaker try to strip naked in front of the whole church on a Sunday morning. You'll have a shoving match break out in pre-service prayer. You'll have a fire break out on a Sunday morning and put the power out, and you'll have to have church in the dark. You'll have people interrupt your preaching with questions, stories, sermons of their own, or just shouting out in tongues. You might find an armed, crazy homeless woman hiding in the restroom as you're locking up for the evening. You might find a drug-crazed burglar in the building when you open up in the morning. That happened just two months ago, if you didn't know that. <laughs> you might be told that communion bread would taste better if it had cheese on it. <laughs> oh, the adventures you will have if you were a pastor. You will be personally completely responsible for the spirit and tone of your church meetings and your congregation. People will act different when you're around. Their posture and vocabulary and demeanor will get stiff or quiet if they don't know you. Some people will literally stop talking when they find out that you're a pastor, and they will turn around and walk off. You will get lied to a lot. You'll have lots of excuses made to you. You'll have scammers lie to you sometimes on a daily basis to get money from your church. People will come to you with a word for you and you'll smell a rat that this is actually manipulation and you'll have to discern that. It is guaranteed that not everyone will like you. You will make enemies without even trying to. In fact, while you try to make peace, you will make enemies. You will be called terrible names, accused of intentions that are the exact opposite of what's really in your heart. With the exact same sermon, Someone will be set free from demonic strongholds and another person will be enraged and call you afterwards and cuss you out and tell you they hate you. 
People will walk out while you're preaching and then attack you in the parking lot after church. You will be dissected, argued with, cussed at, spit on, left. You will live under the constant threat of, well, we're praying about going to a different church. If less miracles and goosebumps happen than people want, you'll be told you're not spiritual enough. If your sermons are boring, people won't come. If you're anything less than a high school football cheerleader, people will say you're an angry preacher. Ezekiel 33.30 says this, As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses, and they speak to one another, saying to everyone saying to his brother, Please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. So they come to you as people do, and they sit before you as my people. This is God speaking to Ezekiel. And they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a lovely, very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, and surely it will come, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. God tells Ezekiel, you're a very popular preacher. Everybody really likes your sermons because you're a really good speaker. But they're just coming like they would come to a nice concert to hear somebody play well. So if you were a pastor, one of your most infuriating frustrations would be the seat fillers who just come to politely listen like they would come to listen to good music and an artful sermon and do absolutely nothing of meaningful consequence to serve the Lord or the church. But if they have a complaint, man, you'll hear about that. There'll be lots of people who will say they'll help, but then they don't. You'll have to shovel a lot of snow over the years ball by yourself. You'll have to clean the toilets often, too. The greatest burden in your heart will be the people with lost potential, who have blind, numb spirits. You want so much for them to be free, to care, to live spiritual lives. You want so much for them to get free, to give their money, not for their money, but for their souls. Because there are some who say, Lord, Lord, but they don't do what he says. And you'll watch them waste their eternity for a car or a house. You will lose a lot of sleep praying for your people, usually in loving concern, sometimes in loving anger. If you were a pastor for very long, you'll become jealous of everyone who can say no, because now you can't and it's all on you. You'll feel extremely inadequate and unqualified. You'll wonder why God would ever choose you. You'll be ashamed that you ever judged any other pastor and thought that you could do it. There will be days of overwhelming discouragement. Satan will pile depression and fear on so heavy that you can't breathe. You'll want to quit and leave and never look back. But of course you won't say much because some pastors are terrified to reveal weakness and need, but even if you're wise enough to see that trap, you still know that your wife and your friends and your people and the other pastors have their own problems and you, you know most of them and you don't want to add to their burdens. You'll be put on a pedestal by some people and then blamed for not living up to their expectations. Others will see you as a target for suspicion and rebellion just because of your title or your position. Others will be very polite to your face but ignore you in all practicality. Some will buddy up to you, hoping to gain some advantage. 
Some have no real concept of respect or honor for your position in the kingdom and they will feel very free to argue with you or even threaten you or manipulate you or buddy up to you, either one. Others will be your biggest fans and encouragers. Some great folks will actually help you with the burden of the work. You will know, along with Paul, what loneliness is because even your spouse, your very best friends, the associate pastors, and the most helpful servants in your church can't fully understand because it's not a weight they bear or a mantle that they wear. To have another pastor who is a true friend is so rare as to be almost non-existent. Many are genuine, great men of God, but you're all taking care of your own people, and there are differences of style and doctrine and schedule that make deep fellowship extremely difficult, if not impossible. You'll have to work lovingly and patiently with people you don't like or understand. You'll have to be gracious and equal with group A when group B wants you to get rid of group A. It's kind of like being a father to kids who are very different and don't get along, but you love them all. You'll know the intimate details of people's sufferings and sins and traumas, and you will be expected to give comfort, wisdom, and answers in life's most painful and emotional times. You will be looked to to produce a miracle. You will be horribly disappointed with the lack of integrity in some other pastors that you try to work with, and you will hurt for their sheep also. You will be deeply drawn from by people in terrible need. You will serve and minister to those needs, and you will love them and comfort them and give them your time and money and your heart. And when they are safer and healthier and less needy, they will leave you without even a thank you. And Jesus expects you to do this over and over and over again. The very thing that you need the most, which is alone time with God, is very difficult and must be scheduled and enforced, even at the cost of being unavailable to people's needs and communications. You will constantly walk that balance beam, feeling the pull of God and of people, and you'll have to choose. Jesus will expect faith, very public faith. You will be required to not only follow him personally, but publicly in front of your church and town. He will require you to make scary decisions and take risks of faith that only pastors can do. Like Moses, God will trap you at the Red Sea. And some people will blame you for bad leadership. Of course, he has a plan for a miracle, but he doesn't tell you that ahead of time. And then people blame you for bad leading and give God credit for bailing you out. If you were a pastor, your job would require way more strategy than your congregation will understand. But at the same time, it is a one-day-at-a-time walk with Jesus where all of your best-laid plans often go right out the window. When things are going bad, people will let you know, and you will be held accountable to fix it. But when things are good, only a few will notice. You will certainly not be allowed to take credit for that because that's God's doing, not yours. You'll have an entire congregation of people who you are carrying. Some of them will notice that you need carried as much as anyone else. And so a note will come in the mail, an email of excitement about Sunday sermon. A visitor will drop in to tell you that he had a vision during worship a few weeks ago. A phone call will come with an encouraging word from the Lord. Somebody gives you a Pentecostal handshake with a $100 bill in it. You will get a thank you note with a gift certificate for dinner for your wife or your family. A miracle happens while you're praying for somebody. The supreme joy of new salvation comes. You get to go bless a new baby. 
You get asked to baptize someone. You're given the honor of being asked to come and pray with the dying. You will have faithful intercessors who pray regularly for you. You'll have a few faithful servants who will work hard to make the church successful. Your heart will break as you watch them give so much, so sacrificially, despite need or pain or busyness themselves. You'll have interns who volunteer to serve you in the church for a season, hungry disciples of Jesus who actually want to learn and serve beyond the average. If you're blessed beyond average, you'll have a faithful youth and children's pastor and anointed worship leaders who make you look better than you really are. And you will feel powerfully thankful and powerfully undeserving at the same time. You will find that God truly does associate with the low and the humble, the poor, the odd, and the unexpected. Help will come from the most unexpected places. Those who should be willing won't be, but the Lord will provide just the right one at the right time to fill your needs. Money will come from the strangest situations and you won't understand how or why. You will hear testimonies of God's faithfulness in big and small situations from all over. You get to share in everyone's excitement as God changes their situations and lives. You get big teary hugs from great big guys and blubbering women as they get saved or freed or baptized or healed. Your shirt will often be tear and mascara stained. <laughs> you get the response, that message was just for me, exactly what I needed to hear today, over and over, nearly every week. You get the deep satisfaction of helping to heal a marriage. You get to see the behind-the-scenes transformations as people choose forgiveness and work out pain and into love and joy and peace. You'll see the tormented get free from demons. Lies break off. Selfishness melt away. Immaturity grow up. Rejection get replaced with trust and family love. And fear get chased off in boldness. And you get to know the extreme generosity of givers who give to your ministry and church some large, some small amounts, but always amazing obedience and faithfulness. If you lead well, you will attract faithful and mature followers who want to serve the Lord with you. You will have a solid, faithful, stable, mature group of fervent Christians who want to obey God and serve Him and live in the power of the Holy Spirit and push the boundaries of His kingdom into the darkness and see salvation and truth prevail. They will not be immature whiners or selfish complainers or lazy seat fillers, but active, giving, serving, evangelizing, praying, preaching, sacrificing, true believers who are willing to pay whatever cost. To see the church succeed, our children raised up in the Lord, our ministries staffed and paid for, sinners set free, new and young believers discipled, and the gospel of Jesus told to Eastern Oregon and the world. If you were a pastor, as you love people and you share in the joys and the pains of shepherding, you will come to know Jesus in a very special and intimate way. You will know him as the good shepherd or the good pastor, which is exactly the same word, as he teaches you how to love and lead his sheep. He will dissect your flesh through it all, that's for sure. If you're selfless and humble and teachable and generous and patient and self-controlled and fervent and steady and not ruled by emotion, you have true integrity, then one day you will stand before him with your people 
And you'll be able to look him in the eye and say, we made it. And you'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. I get to work with some of the greatest people on the planet. Thank you very much for the honor of being your pastor. I love my job. I love my church. I love my people. There are days I don't want to relive, but I know that's true in every job. I know that's nothing special or unique to pastors. It's, uh, it's quite a deal that you all would support me and love me and trust me to be your leader and teacher and want to come every Sunday and be a church family. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much for the trust and the love you give me and my family. And thank you for helping me honor these other pastors that help shepherd the body of Christ in our county. If you still would like to sign up for this job, <laughs> if you feel the call of the Lord, we can talk. <laughs> we'll see what the Lord does. I do believe there are some of you who are called. Not very many, but there are some of you who have that calling. And it will be exciting to see what the Lord does. So, that's it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for this church family that you have assembled for every great person and gift and wisdom and age person that you've put in here, Lord. You've assembled us together in just the right numbers and provided us with every person and everything and every dollar that we need to further your kingdom, to see this church succeed, to see your church succeed, to see the kingdom of Jesus grow brighter and brighter in our valley all over eastern Oregon, all over the world. Thank you so much, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. I thank you for giving such faithful servants to this house to see our ministries succeed, to see your name glorified and your gospel spread everywhere we go. We love you so much. Thank you for being our good shepherd. You are so wonderfully gentle and kind. You are so long-sufferingly enduring with your sheep. Thank you for your grace and your love. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name.